The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Today is Libra, as far as our archetypal conversation continues, and it is date-wise, October 6th, a Saturday, 2018. I happen to be in Tucson, and I happen to be involved with the Astrology Conference, and I have a wonderful guest that is returning, who spoke during July. Laura Tad, a PhD, and Laura Link, if anybody, for you that are wanting to connect with her, is Mythic Sky. She's a psychological astrologer. She speaks internationally. Web. Uh, Laura, tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> Sure. So I work as a psychological astrologer. And so really my work focuses a lot more um, on counseling than prediction is more of my approach to astrology. And my, so I'm coming at it from an archetypal perspective and looking at patterns. I do a lot of work with families and finding the, the patterns that show up in our families and how we can help that helps us understand ourselves as well as our interpersonal dynamics. Well, um, ideal because this entire program for those listeners, just to remind you, is really about intentional meaningfulness about the archetype. And so it's not necessarily, we're, you know, we don't predict, although we do talk at, at certain programs about the actual uh, charts on hand, but the reason. Is there a sound? I'm hearing a sound. Is that from my end? Oh, I think, I think there's. Sorry, it'll stop. It's on my. That I think it just stopped. It was on my end. Okay, I think no, that, that's yeah, all right. Sorry. Because is that all right? It was like a little music in the background. <laughs> Very good. And patterns, because a relationship is really a dynamic of Libra, and family is totally centered about relationships. So I love the fact that you would return from. And I'm saying this also for our listeners, so we're having a little preview here, because the format's a little different. We usually do some intro beforehand, but we're kind of diving into this. Because before we spoke about the child and the mother with cancer, but here it's the whole family, the whole kit and caboodle that, we're, that I'm thinking of. Not that family is seventh house, but the family's a beautiful place where we have relationships with the other person, which is Libra. Yeah, absolutely. And there's ways of working, you know, that I, I look at, you know, when you compare a child's chart to the chart of the parents, right? How does that child change the relationship? So that can be part of how that comes in. Um, and I think, you know, right now with Venus having just gone retrograde, you know, barely so 24 true. hours ago, yeah, um, that, you know, there's a lot... It's a really intense time right now. 
there's a lot that's up for a lot of people. Um, and I do think that there's elements of that that will, that this retrograde will impact families and, and partnership because it's currently in Scorpio. It went retrograde at 10 degrees Scorpio, but it goes back into Libra with this retrograde cycle. If I may stop here for a moment, because, and I really appreciate Laura, this, this dialogue that we're just sort of jumping into, because again, for the audience that are listening, we're, this is the focus collectively is Venus retrograde, which I'm about to explain a little bit about for those people that aren't familiar with what Venus retrograde is. And also in the dynamics of how powerful this is with our interrelationships with family, which is the other person of Libra. Because Venus retrograde from Earth, the view of Venus, it appears to go backwards. And it's a cycle that happens every two years with Venus on schedule pretty well. I mean, it's a pretty well clocked. Um, yeah, it's about every 18, 19 months. Okay, year and a half. I'm thinking of Mars. That's so true. And we just finished a retrograde. And retrogrades are really that, so if I'm talking not just directly to you, but more to the audience there, that retrogrades really are a time where we revise, we think, we appraise things. So the fact that Venus rules Libra makes it so powerful, and the fact that it is in Scorpio, such as Laura has just mentioned, is another relationship that makes that commitment that really ties in our resources, our our exchange for creating a life force with somebody else. Yeah, well, because Scorpio is tied to the eighth house in astrology, and the eighth house is shared resources, right? It's part of those houses that are partnership-related, even though we don't necessarily view Scorpio as a partnership-oriented sign, it is in many ways because it's linked to how we connect with other people and the the depth of that connection um, in in different ways. And then added factor as we start to collect our intensity, because it's interesting, it really, and Scorpio is an intense sign, Emotion, it's a water sign, it's a fixed water sign like ice, um, or is that, yeah. is that idea, is that, oh boy, I just flipped out my whole gear here, um, oh, the Venus start point, which is mm-hmm. another whole element of the Venus pattern, that over a course of eight years, it connects with the sun five times in its orbit, making a pentagram which is also, which happens to be in a certain sign for a hundred years, it continues this repetition. And Scorpio is one of them, and I believe it is it's 25, 26 times that it connects. And we are at the 20, the second to the last one. Mm. So this is really potent. And then yeah. it's going to go to well, I won't say at the moment because I don't want to give the wrong information, but it does add to this. It's the intensity. It's been since 1926, I believe. Mm. Maybe there might be two more. 
I could be an error in that. And a wonderful resource is Ariel Gutman's book on Venus. Yeah, I I think there's a lot with Venus. I mean, I think, and within that pentagram, right, it repeats over multiple years and it draws a rose. Yes. In the sky. And so, of course, it's Venus. She's the goddess of love. What else would she be drawing in the heavens? But, I mean, because even the, the, at first, it's actually more of a heart, right? The first one cycle, one retrograde cycle, retrograde, and then the 18 months till the next retrograde is a heart. And it becomes these overlapping hearts, like those, I remember as a kid, you know, you had those sort of shapes where you could trace circles on top of circles or shapes, and you basically are drawing a mandala. And so it's these heart shapes that it's that overlap on each other in incrementally further apart, and ultimately it draws a rose. And how the perfection of that, right, that we would assign this planet that we see with as Venus and, and all that she represents and then all the imagery that we associate with love is tied to the planet's orbit. And so important because it is, besides the sun and the moon, which are often called the luminaries, it is the brightest planet in the sky and seen all over the world with all the mythologies and connoting that love. So people need that connection to make meaningfulness in their lives. And in Scorpio, really wants to get to the truth of a fact. And I believe, well, it's not just my belief, but the whole factor of it being in retrograde, in families, we'll segue back to that, the dynamics in families. There's many, well, it can be harsh. There can be death, and I say that, there have, and I'm not trying to scare people like, oh my gosh, we're going to die. I have been aware of a few close people who's had some trauma with death. But for most of us, for the large majority of people, because I know many, many people, and there's just a few, and of course it's heart-wrenching, that their experience is dealing with this, which life does present but for most of us it's a matter of ending a chapter and beginning a new or going over an old chapter yeah well retrogrades i always think of i tell clients you know whenever a planet is retrograde i just put the prefix re re in front of whatever the archetype of the planet is right so with mercury we rethink with venus we reevaluate. Venus is what we love and value. And so we revalue. We value again. We reassess what is important to us. And then it becomes, you know, more specific based on the sign that she's in over the course of the cycle. And then individually, where she's falling within our own charts and how our charts, our personal astrology is being impacted by it will color the degree to which we feel how intensely we experience it i'm very aware of this retrograde she went retrograde 
on my north node trining my sun. I'm very aware of this retrograde. Oh now, for people otherwise, <laughs> yes, a north yeah. node is a point, and it is, I'm just being the little yeah. aside person here, and the north node is that point of our karmatic destination that we want to integrate, that we come into this world with one set of values and the exact 180 degree opposite, which is in this case must be for me. It's, I, yeah, it's 10 degrees Scorpio. Yeah, so you came with life force, a lot of life force and survival ability, and you are going towards connecting with a deep relationship to have a exchange or also it's the mysteries of life digging down into why the mysteries and the changes of life and death why the spirit continues to present life if i'm saying yes, that so, well yeah, yeah. yeah i think there's an element of that so that's where you know for each of us it can be the the retrograde becomes really specific to there is the collective clearly in this country anyway we are in a heightened venusian in venus in scorpio retrograde moment in history um there is at a massive scale we are yeah. examining what we value the and scorpio the feminine and scorpio is about power and the misuse no of power. power with the misuse of power the misattribution of power, feeling powerless. Um, betrayal. It is betrayal. It's sexuality. All of that is scorpionic. It's every. It is, and developing ultimately healthy relationships with power. Which gets us back. Power yeah. is actually a neutral thing. It's not good or bad. It can be misused, but it Thank it doesn't that have part. that. That's and very you know, true. and so it, we are we given we are being given an opportunity to discover a new relationship with power, and how that is, you know, I sort of think of it in some ways maybe like it, we're at a Juno O'Hara like moment, where, you know, she she was Zeus's wife or Jupiter's wife. To, depending if you're Greek or Roman pantheon. And she gets branded as being jealous and the jealous, angry wife, but it's because she was promised co-rulership with her husband and he reneged. And so she was furious because um, she was promised power that he took away from her. And they're um, definitely and, joined. There's never yeah. a myth where mythology where they do their horse it's true and so there's this we are in this time of re-evaluating power and then when she gets back into libra it will be about equality ideally power and then the balance of that right and this often when i teach about venus i use the story of dame ragnall from the arthurian legend you know and that it's a very much Venus in Libra story and about what women really want is what the story is about. Um, 
And the answer is sovereignty, that that is the answer of what women really want. And it's very much... Yes, sovereignty, that's a very intriguing word. I want to go back to power because Mm -hmm. power really is like the energy voltage when you plug in your machine. It works. If one has the power to operate, it's not... I mean, I like your thought, and I'm going back to the thought of neutrality, because so often power seems to be distorted into uh, subjecting over another uh, energy source. And, and, And I think the real factor here is whether a, a power works. So when you have a Scorpio, because Venus, relating back to Venus and Libra, which is mm-hmm. the balance, ultimately, is that rather to say the goal of balance, you know, of, of equal energies, so that when you get to Scorpio, it really has a full uh, system to, to exchange with, with another person. And that means that both people are empowered, empowered with power, which I think goes to your sense yep. of, of, of what you were saying with power, which I wanted to jump in on. So going to families, because this is intense, like, and I can relate. I, too, during this period, we sold a house that we would bought in California when, in the same city that my father had lived in, because... My husband and I took care of my father for three and a half years during his last years of life and then stayed there. It was a long experience and a very deep one. And, of course, my father, and it was a good time to get. Many factors were very beneficial to me as a human. The fact is that was 11 years ago. We finally sold this house. So it really finished up a whole epoch, you might say, of a chapter that I've been prepared to do, but it still was the clang of the bell, you know, and that's, I think in many yeah. ways, people are feeling this with their family relationships in some ways, so that's where we start with, is our sisters, or brothers, or aunts, or grandmothers, or brothers, everybody. Sure, I mean, our relationships as adults are either mirrors of or reactions to the people that we were raised with right that um there's imprint psychological imprinting that happens and so we find ourselves in patterns that show up it shows up astrologically where you get patterns in relationships patterns in families of of astrology of having the same sun sign, the same moon sign, the same nodes, um, going back generations, you end up with these patterns. You would have potentially patterns of retrograde planets could show up as well. And so then there's a family story, a family, family karma. If you had a family with a pattern of Venus retrograde, then there's a family story. There's a family narrative around always reevaluating what's important to you and never and potentially a lack of consistency around values and then that can be for somebody who does not have venus retrograde natally 
who's born into that dynamic, that can be very unsettling because they want the consistency. They don't have that embedded comfortability with impermanence in the same way. And so that could create a whole, you know, host of complications potentially. Definitely. Um, and there's always going to be in a family unit, and we can extend it, you know, like well, this is again, aunts, uncles, uh, your children, other people in the family, married people that come in, the dynamics of the in laws or outlaws, my stepdad calls it. I love that. Sure, but I do think so, that the patterns tend to hold true. Right, well, whether it's well, adopted well, children, well, stepchildren. Yes, yes, yes. No, I'm I'm agreeing with you. Uh, and yeah. what I'm thinking, you're right because there is that that universe that wants to support us as we need, not necessarily as we might consider, and have the conflicts or the compatibility as it is. I mean, most families have somewhere in the family where there's great compatibility, or else there's people that have more challenging personality factors. And those factors can be because we haven't recognized them in ourselves. And like in the Libra fashion, we reflect, you know, we learn through these relationships of getting back to Libra here. Sure. Often, yeah, you absolutely see that that mirroring or that flip. It's very common to see flip nodes between parents and children. Um, Right? So they're what the other needs to learn are flipped houses, right? So they have a one has an Aries ascendant, the other has a Libra ascendant, that there's these mirroring that happens as patterns in families because with all relationships, when I'm working with couples, you know, ultimately if you don't see some sort of challenging astrology in the, you know, in this industry, when you're comparing two charts, there doesn't te- the relationship doesn't tend to have much many legs. It doesn't tend to go the distance um, well, because I mean in a romantic relationship, some of that tension is where the sexual tension is, so you need that to be there. But in family dynamics, you know, ultimately the people in our lives, part of why they're in our life is to help facilitate opportunities for us to grow and evolve as souls and if we're not challenged there's no growth happening well i think that's exactly stating how astrology can be so helpful because there's many many stories where people can invent a lot of other less profitable or productive is the word methods of thinking because they don't get along with somebody they start coming up with many projections that they're not realizing for their own growth that they need to be aware. So having astrology demonstrates the energetic exchanges or, or the, the, the tensions, the, the, the similarities, because it was really very helpful in, in this sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't want, you know, it to be, the lion's share of your interaction with somebody to be difficult. That's not fun. Well, that can but, happen. That can happen in a family. A it family can happen in a family, but it, in a partnership, right? You don't want to, like, if you can, you'd rather not have that be the dynamic. But, yes, yeah, sometimes you end up in families where 
it's just really hard. You're really not like the people you're related to or the people that are in your family are very unhappy, unhealthy people. And so it's a toxic relationship. Yes, and that's just, yeah, excuse me. Yes, you're right. Dysfunctional in some ways is not taking authority in their own life. Or perhaps they have a totally different relationship with spirit and matter. Is how I often see it is, is that some people are more productive in the material fashion as a physicality of life. They measure a, a success and in certain steps of accomplishments and achievements, and others are more of a creative energy, and their desire is maybe to become more individuated and discover their own path, and they don't have that role model necessarily in their family. Sure. Or it can be the opposite. You can have a very right. standard person that wants just a, a simple... Yeah. Well, and I think there's a whole host of ways that that can manifest and looking at where Venus falls in the chart for somebody is often illuminating as to what's important to them. You know, second house, Venus, all of that can be, help us to clue into some of it and some of it's cultural, some of it's environmental. Um, some of it is, you know, what, how much liberty did that individual have when they were growing up to really pursue what they were interested in as opposed to what their family thought that they should be interested in, right? And so then as yeah. adults, how authentic are they living? And are they projecting values that are actually not authentically how they view the world, but it's what they've taken on? Because I like that's this. what they've been told yes, they should value. We're going to, I'm going to say one thing, and then we're going to have a, uh, take a break with a phone number, which I will give. And I, so I have to say that uh, that number is 425-373-5527. Aronis right now wants us to be authentic. So we have a lot to talk about. There was somebody that called last week, Katie. And when we hung up, your data went out. So if you want to call back, please do. You have Laura and myself eager to talk with you. And that number is 425-373-5527. Thank you from Talk Cosmos, Sue and Laura. take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the Yang period of Libra, ruled duly by Venus. By leaving the lower hemisphere of the self, the energy of Libra enters the arena where the completed self meets the other-than-self to form a relationship based on partnership. As a cardinal air sign on the descendant angle, represented by the equinox of equal light, Libra's energy learns through comparison and relationships, with the intention to integrate duality and polarities. 
celebrate your star energy blessings. Schedule a natal astrology chart consultation with Talk Cosmos host Sue Rose Minahan. You'll learn to better understand what personally fuels your soul's seed direction. Sue focuses on your questions to connect you into your unique heart's desire and your true soul path's birth essence. Just $125 for an hour and a half session about your life energies and significant current transits, including a recording and a copy of your chart. Schedule by emailing info at talkcosmos.com. That's info at talkcosmos.com. Ciao and greetings to all you folks out there that have got enough curiosity to tune in to what's going on here. My name is Jeff Peters. I am the Lively Astrologer, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk 1150 AM, where we unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our consciousness. Welcome back. Hi, and Katie, perhaps tonight wasn't that chance for you to call, but if you could, we'd be glad to talk to you. That number once more for the others is 425-373-5527. And Laura Tad, PhD, psychological astrologer with the wonderful site Mythic Sky, is, and I will continue our talk about Libra, Venus, retrograde in Scorpio, and family dynamics, our basis of, well, we'll find out. Hi, Laura. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the last word you had said and was about authentic, that the family wants us to be authentic. And, I, and we had, you'd started off, we started off with how powerful this whole retrograde is, and going through some explanation, which we can pass now about the fact that we're redoing our thinking. But Uranus in Taurus, which is square the nodes, which means that those points that we we're talking about, you know, with our karmic going where we're going to and where we're passing from, which is on a orbital process all the time, and right now in Leo and Aquarius, is very centered as an entire collective energy wanting us to, to just do what you said, get to our authentic in authentic feelings, our authentic values of life and self-worth and it, finances, of how we make yeah. our finances. That I think that'll be a lot of what I think the Uranus and Taurus you know, phase will be that we are in a little bit and then we'll be in next year for, I think, like seven years. Um, and yeah, about Uranus is all about authenticity. It's all about... Um, and how comfortable or not we are in being authentic. Um, and I think she does get, it does get pulled into this retrograde in part because of Taurus's relationship to Scorpio, that they're opposing signs, but that Taurus like Libra is the governing signs of Venus. Right, and so we have this additional Venusian theme um, of Taurus being yeah. another expression of Venus, and um, that you know that it adds to the 
intensity of this retrograde. Um, I, I mean, there's so many layers of why this is a powerful retrograde, right? So Venus went retrograde on Friday, which is the day of the week that she governs. Um, right. We even get the word Friday from Freya. Oh yeah. Freya's day. Freya was the Nordic equivalent of Venus. Um, and it, it's, it's very nice in Spanish, Venus. Friday is Venus's day. And so she turned on her heels, you know, on her own day and, and linking with authenticity. That's part of this reviewing of the retrograde is what do we really, what are our real principles and how do we express the, what do we value? What do we need to let go of? What things, what ideals, what possessions, what people and have we been holding on to that we're don't learning, serve us? Exactly. And we're learning through other people, too, because it is through Libra right now in this month. And I, I want to keep yeah, sure. bringing that yep. up because it really is. Because otherwise we could be sitting by ourselves. But the fact is, just politically, when we look at everything that's been happening, there's been so much emphasis on female and in contrast because the Libra does want to compare because it has a me and the other, and so it's going to look at this versus that and what does one lack in order to be whole, in order to make a full complementary package. And so in so many aspects, and we are relating more to the family, so it's, I'm wondering, too, how families with their... Well, there's many kinds of families. I mean, there's extended families that you get together with the holidays for some. There's the nucleus family that you're growing up with. There's the family that you create where, Mm -hmm. you know, people marry or have children or not. Not everybody has children, but they may have, they may be aunts and et cetera. And so in learning these principles of, I think somehow it must be, that we're having our relationships being reflected back to us. Somehow we're needing to really refigure where we stand. I wonder if brothers and sisters are doing, my brother died actually a year ago, mm-hmm. my only, but I do have stepbrothers. And interesting, we have been interacting, and it is a real, well, I don't know if I can express exactly anything new in that regard for myself, but I'm just thinking over it. Yeah, well, and I mean, the Venus has only been retrograde about like 26 hours. Um, yeah. <laughs> and she does retrograde in back into Libra. So I think in the latter part of this cycle, which is about, you know, it's, she's retrograde for 40 days. So the last week or so of her retrograde cycle, she'll be in Libra in you know, in November. And that's, I think, when it will become even more of that Libran energy of, you know, I think first we're having to examine what we value, and then it's going to shift more into how does that impact our partnerships, our relationships, whether it's family, whether it's a romantic partner, that when we change what we value, that will absolutely we don't exist in vacuums right so if you don't like your 
the color of the wall in your living room anymore and you paint that, well, that's going to alter the mood of everybody who's in the home hmm. and the whole family dynamic. There's a systemic way that we work as humans is we don't, one person, you know, in family systems theory and psychology, a lot of the approach is understanding that when one person in the family changes, the whole family changes. It's not if whether there's, you know, if somebody has had a lot of turmoil and they work through that turmoil, that whole, the next time the, the family interacts with that person, it will be different. It can't ever go back to the way that it was because that person is altered. It, you know, it's like a recipe. If you're making a dish and you add a new ingredient, you can't go back to how it was before that ingredient was added. Now we're and talking. I really... Go ahead. Think, yes, what you're saying here really is the healing process, um, clearing energies that is done on a very vague sense for most people. But this is so psychologically, when you bring this up, that it is documented, and it would bring in also the charts. You know, I'm wondering if you looked at the composite and then looked at the transit, you know, thinking back to what... Sure. You know, what it's fascinating to look at the composite chart of parents and then how their child's chart aspects that. Because there is always very intense very intense sinistry or transits that the composite chart was under, right? So, um, and to some people more intense than others or in different ways. I have seen repeatedly parents' composite charts and their child's Pluto is conjunct the composite ascendant. That couple is forever altered in how they are perceived because that kid's Pluto hits the ascendant. Yes, which is for, right. for general talk says that there's great emotional transformation. Yeah, it's not just, it's at another level than just, oh, right, it's pretty hard to become a parent for the first time and not be changed, right? But it's at, for some, it is much more extreme. And And it forever impacts the relationship. So for some people, becoming parents is more subtle in terms of it's more individual in terms of how that impacts them and for others it's really dramatically impacting how they relate as a couple and so you can see that but again it can be patterns that show up in you know doing you know, this idea so of the com- of the composite wouldn't it be fascinating if we could do the entire united states as one huge composite when you think about that, because really it is a matter of going with the spirit and the matter, which again and again and again comes up through astrology so often. Mm-hmm. But here, because, and I'm saying that in the sense that our relationship with the energies of the planet, of that energetic connection that, that this also just in the 
the entire energetic cosmos. And here we are in the living form of that manifestation. So, in other words, spirit and the matter of ourselves. So, however dimension, however we look at that, it is this combination that can get extended and extended. Meaning, the whole thought that has one person thinks transforms the group, such as what you were just sure. saying. If they heal, yeah. you know, and and how they well, can. that's yeah. One of my favorite quotes from Carl Jung is um, the meeting of two personalities is like the contact of two chemical substances. If there is any reaction, both are transformed. That in scientifically, too. This, sure. Again and again, it's, it's a known factor. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was a medical doctor, so he had the scientific understanding, but he was applying that saying what happens with chemical compounds is as true as what happens in interpersonal dynamics. And I have a question about if Yeah. I'm wondering if you have a family or a group, let's say there's a, a Christmas event or a Thanksgiving or a Hanukkah or a, reunion or some large yeah, gathering. Exactly. So you know all the people that are attending and there's somebody that's a, just having a difficulty there um, with a, a person has a difficulty with a certain member and mm-hmm. for whatever reason it, it is they have some conflict going on which is they're working on wanting to work on and if you look if they go to an installer if they come to you would it even be possible to do the composite of those people which is what I understood would could be of course we can do that and then maybe do a composite without that person and compare. Which, do you think that would be helpful for um, Well, I think depending... when you start doing composite charts with lots of people that make up the composite charts, like, well, yes, in theory, it's just math. So you could do a composite chart that included 500 people. Um, I don't know how helpful that is. And there's yeah, some that debate. Big, more like 27 there's, maybe at the right, biggest. But, but. There, but there's some debate about, even in doing that, how some of it's calculated. So there's not an agreement on how you calculate houses with multiple composite, with multiple charts in a composite chart. Um, and so part of it is like, technically it's complicated to do that. But absolutely, I you could look at it of, you know, one of the things I've explored in trying to figure this out for myself even is, so let's say you have a family and there's a, um, it's a blended family. And so what is the dynamic with the stepchildren or the and the half-siblings and without the stepchildren and half-siblings? Right, because they're both, both are actually family units. Yes. Right, and so what is the difference? You could look. You could absolutely you could examine that. I haven't done much of that because I have found there to be so much disagreement on actually how, when you get into nine people that you're creating a chart, a composite chart for the technical way in which it's calculated, there's debate. 
about. So I haven't done too much work with it myself because when I've tried to research it, I've run into that and it comes out so vastly different based on how it's calculated that it felt like it just got too murky and confusing for me to, to try to approach it that way. So when I've done composite charts with family members, I'm really looking at the parents, so just two people in the composite chart, and then the synastry of the other people to that composite chart. That in itself gives a lot of information. It's true because if you, uh, I see. Yeah, how does that individual, I mean, I, I gave it when I spoke at UAC, I even gave an example of a client who is a stepmom. But she didn't meet her stepchildren, her stepsons, um, for a year into the relationship because that's sort of the guiding principle right now, the, the sort of rule of thumb that a lot of psychologists talk about with people who are have children from a previous relationship is to not introduce them to their partner, new partner, for a year so that it's really an established relationship and there's not a revolving door of people in children's lives. Yeah. And so, you know, she didn't meet her stepsons for a year. And as soon as she did, all of a sudden their charts were aspecting the composite chart with her partner in a really direct way where it had been more indirect. Yes, they existed, but they existed before the partnership did, right? They're her stepkids. They're from his uh, his marriage that's been over for 15 years. So the child predates the existence of the composite chart in many ways. And yet as soon as they came in to their daily life, oh, huh, well, you get these aspects that create some friction in the relationship that didn't exist prior to the boys being part of the relationship. Um, and so it, it works, even though the timing is flipped. Yes. What I'm thinking, too, the whole prospect of astrology relates to time, many, essentially, because... Every birth reflects that moment that the parents experience at that, like a living energy of that moment on. So it would, you know, there's many dynamics. It's so true. You know, I'm thinking of, we don't have too many minutes here to finish. And I hope that this has spurred people's thoughts about their own families there's so many, such a learning prospect with relationships and how we carry that through and trying to heal those relationships in the sense of understanding them and how they relate to ourselves and that they may not just be that other, quote, rotten person or else that or why one is so supportive, you know, to find out how. But Venus itself, and you had brought up, that it can be, which I agree totally. And also, Venus, because Venus is both the morning star and the mm -hmm. evening star, which also is of its orbit, and it goes invisible for, I think, seven months. I think it is. I, 
he's such a good author besides Ariel Gutman, who writes about the stars. Adam Gainsbourg, The Light Venus, talks greatly about Yeah, that. he's done a lot um, with the sonotic cycles of Venus. He's got yes. a lot on that. It rises and lowers, and like, I'm an evening star, which has a different... And so people could be an evening star or a morning star, which also gives a dynamic as far as their energy goes in the family. Mm-hmm. You know, the morning might be more industrious or more of a conquering type, and the Venus might be more of a reflective type. Yeah, but, I mean, oh. in some ways, and I sort of equate that a little bit to morning star being more Taurian and evening star being more Libran in terms of her two, you know, that she governs two signs, right? And um, that that's a little, it's not quite accurate, but it feels close to me. I think uh, that has an intriguing sense because the Tarian has more stability, not, well, stability, but also survival, wanting the, right. the growth of, of life. And the Libra is now really negotiating between me and you the people, the, the 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 other person, always right. trying to negotiate a, a cooperative balance, not really thinking of anything just by themselves. Whereas Taurus is totally about my survival. How am I going to yep. continue? Yeah, so that's a little bit of how I've sort of seen the difference of Morning Star, Evening Star is that Taurian. Libran archetype or even you know again like I'm saying some of the myths I've used I sort of you know the the Snow White story of Snow White is a more Taurian Venus in a lot of ways right it has a lot to do with jealousy a lot to do with values a lot to do with beauty which right Taurus beauty or sensory experience and you know that gets back to that pentagram that and besides the fact that five and eight which we didn't even discuss really at this point but the fibonacci numbers and that that astrology the horoscope can actually be looked at from a mathematical viewpoint russ von olhausen who's at this conference here and i astrologer with organization of professional astrology right now is a big proponent of that and david cochran and quite Mm -hmm. a few which it but, but the but the, which is one, which is the same as pi. It's the perfect uh, ratio, the mean. Mm-hmm. Leonardo, you know, beauty. <laughs> I know I'm throwing yeah. a bunch out there at the last minute. And I had a question I was going to ask you, which we have two minutes for, if I can just recall, about mm, Venus. And, so I'll let that go. Morning star, evening star. I mean, she's also, we didn't, you know, she can be combust. So when she's rising and setting so close to the sun that she's actually invisible, um, right? That's when she's in that underworld phase. And many, many uh, stages of it. Like, for instance, in my family, I was with, I think it is with this book with Adam, that you can be a con- in a conception like inception, inception, mm-hmm. at the very beginning, underground, and you can be the morning, and then you can go back underground, and you can be one at the very end. And I, my mother is an inception, and my father was the very end. Their marriage didn't last. 
And who knows for what reason, but I thought to myself, you know, it's a relationship. And wouldn't that be an interesting factor to perhaps research more on this the subtlety of Venus? Sure, yeah. I mean, that's where I think looking at the Venus phase could be a pattern that shows up in families. Is Does she show up as combust or Kasimi um, or morning star, evening star repeatedly in family members, right? So when you look at family dynamics of astrology, I think there's a million ways you could approach it to look for patterns. Um, and Venus is absolutely one of them in terms of sign, in terms of house, in terms of aspects, um, in terms of morning star or evening star. And you would start, you would see patterns because what that's demonstrating is family karma, family stories, and how those bleed through generations, right? And you can go back, you know, with certain things, certainly with looking at, you know, morning star, evening star for Venus, so long as you had a birthday and the birth date, you could calculate that for as many generations of you as you have birth data for. You wouldn't need time or location um, to know if she was evening star or morning star. You just need to know if she was rising or setting before the sun and see how that has bled through the generations. And was there a shift that happened at some point? Was there enough family work done with one archetypal expression that she transitioned. Absolutely. For our public, this has been such a great talk because it really gives a whole other emphasis to leap up because there are five talks. There's going to be two more next week. Wilma, Willie Bodrak, living in Mexico, living near Guadalajara, Lake Chapala. She's been there for 20 years and lives with her husband there, and she'll be talking us, and we'll be talking about Libra from that aspect within the community. You know, there's many people that move out of the country, and they depend, rely very much so upon one another in different relationships, so that'll be intriguing to do. And tonight, we've been talking with Laura Cad, who's returned PhD with Mythic Sky, who's an astrologer, you can find us, either, and also myself, at talkcosmos.com, and we have our guests continually there. Tonight's been very exciting, so I thank you very much. We have about one minute. Well, we don't have that, really. We do have to... <laughs> well, okay. well, it was great to be on again, Sue. Thank you. I'm... And uh, I'm sure there's lots of people we both know that are um, in Arizona. So please say hi to our mutual uh, colleagues. Um, it's been marvelous. Organizational professional astrology, which you can join, whether you're, you know, for those that aren't here, professional or not, is so powerful. And it is true. And, well, we miss you. And... It is a whole new set of relationships. And talking about new brain storms or new brain cell activity, it does 
reflect into the whole group of relationships. So, mm-hmm. and I really liked your talk about, and I have about 30 seconds here, about the Venus with the composite for mm-hmm. yeah, relationships. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Laura. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it was fun. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.